Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. And welcome to a new episode of Zach on Film, everybody. This week, we will be taking a look at the comedy classic Animal House. Animal House, 1978 film, uh, yep. star, uh, directed by John Landis, a lot of people know his name, mm-hmm. and really created as a uh, starring vehicle for a um, Saturday Night Live uh, actor by the name of John Chris Belushi. Oh, oh, John no, no, Belushi. No, 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 John Belushi. Dude, I know Belushi. Interestingly... That was funny. I know. I sat next to, to you uh, uh, for five, six years in college, so I, I know all about John Belushi, too. Um, interestingly, though, Zach, I bet you mm-hmm. didn't know this. Maybe you did, because I had you do a lot more research into this film than I have in the past, only because I knew some of that research material was out there. Right. Uh, at one point, um, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and um, Chevy Chase were also supposed to be uh, in animal house oh i didn't i did not read that but um uh, landis wanted a bunch of unknowns Mm -hmm. and so he went with um he went with uh, karen allen who we would see a couple years later as uh uh, indiana jones's uh girlfriend in raiders of the lost ark Mm -hmm. Uh, tom tom holse who would later go on to play uh mozart uh kevin bacon who would go on and be connected to everyone everywhere uh tim matheson uh who Let's see, which one was he? Tim Matheson um, was Otter. Oh, yeah, Otter. yeah, yeah, Otter. And um, and the guy that played D-Day, I forget his Bruce name. Bruce McGill. Bruce McGill, but he would go on later <laughs> to play MacGyver's best friend. Wasn't in he in MacGyver. Tales of the Gold Monkey? No, he wasn't in Tales of the Gold, Gold <laughs> Monkey. He was, uh, he was MacGyver's best friend in... Uh, I could have sworn he was the pilot in no, Tales no, of the Gold No, 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 that was somebody else. <laughs> that was somebody else. So... Tell me what you know first. Well, first of all, Zach, yes. tell us about the film Animal House. All right. So Animal uh, House is uh, oh, uh, is about a fraternity on a campus, uh, the, Delta, the Delta Tau Chi fraternity. Mm-hmm. And it initially starts out as two guys who pledge and then wackiness and wackiness ensue. And it's a pretty much just a college life movie. Mm-hmm. Wrapped around them revenging. Robot house. <laughs> Robot house. <laughs> yeah, Stephen. Uh, Stephen first uh, plays Flounder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen first would later to go on to be in a very popular uh, uh, drama, uh, Saint Elsewhere, for years and years and years mm-hmm. and years and years. Uh, this movie also I has. I just imagined that. Well, some people imagined it. Donald Sutherland <laughs> also makes an appearance on this, and I want to say mm-hmm. this was right after Invasion of the Body Snatchers came out. Hmm. You might want to go back and look at that one with, with him that. in it. Donald Sutherland is in this? Yeah, yeah he plays the, the per, he plays the professor, the professor. that uh, later bags uh Oh right. Yeah, that Karen bags Marion. Mm-hmm. I hell yeah. Yeah. That's freaky. And it's got uh, John Vernon as a uh, Dean Vernon Warmer. Yes. Uh, John Vernon college. playing the role that would define his entire career. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um Mark Metcalf, Bruce McGill, as we mentioned before, Tim Matheson, uh Martha Smith. Mary Louise Weller. Names go on and on and on. This was like, you look at this and you just see all of these actors that you probably know today. Some of them just, you know, have recently been dying. Well, a couple of them died a long time ago, but some of them just been dying recently uh, that the name comes up in. 
Um, but this is just like this introduction to a whole line of actors that you would see over the years throughout the eighties, at least, uh, from animal house. So yes, it is a hijinks. It's a farce of college life. Mm -hmm. And what the, this actually Zach came out of, um, the national lampoon. This is the first movie that spun out of the magazine. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you know about national lampoon magazine. I learned everything I learned about national lamp. I didn't know actually lampoon was until, I watched yeah. some of the bonus stuff. I was like, oh, that's actually a magazine, and that's how all this stuff happened, Matthew, fill him in on National Lampoon Magazine. You know Cracked.com? Yep. They Basically, they just put National Lampoon on the internet. Oh. For all intents and purposes. National Lampoon, though, it started out as a magazine at Harvard, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And the whole point was to try and do humor that was more appealing to that post- I don't know what you call them, post-boomers. The, the well, children not even the really, 60s. not even post-boomers. I mean, the magazine was out targeted towards college kids, and it yeah. was written by kids who had just recently graduated from college. They're the ones that put this together, and so um, there was this great connection between the reader and the 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 editors and the writers because yes. it's like, oh man, you know exactly where we're coming from. Yes, we'll buy this magazine so you don't shoot the dog. Um, <laughs> you know all this stuff that was going on, and and or during the, the advertisement. Where they're oh god what was it? it's the thing where the uh, they're talking about Vietnam with a picture of Alfred E Newman yeah 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 just they they took really really intellectual stuff and really really gross disgusting lowbrow material and they slammed it all together and it worked and now, it was to an extent amazing. to an extent Animal House is an adaptation um in the fact that uh, Chris Miller who was one of the writers of the screenplay worked for National Lampoon uh, and. They were running late or they were running short on an article, I forget, uh, space in the magazine. And so he just wrote out a bunch of short stories based on his time in a fraternity house, uh, Alpha Delta Phi, at Dartmouth College. And it's – from what I understand, it was very similar to the uh, Omega House uh, Mm -hmm. at at the college. But the hazing rituals and everything that went through that – I can't remember. uh, John Landis, I think, saw this and and said, hey, can I convert this? I'm sorry. Ivan – Let's see. Is it Ivan Reitman? Because there's like Harold Ramis, Ivan Reitman, and John Landis are all involved in in bits and pieces of of writing this. But Ramis essentially, part of the screen the screenplay, right? But essentially, they were like, "Oh, can we turn these stories into a movie?" Mm-hmm. And they came to an agreement and said yes, and they started production of it. Now, a couple of things that are real interesting about this film. So. Loosely based, I guess is what we'll say. Right, right. Okay. Have you ever seen the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High? No. Oh my God, Zach. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh. Have you ever seen the movie The Oogie Loves? I've never even heard of that movie. Okay. Have you ever seen Bananas in Pajamas? No. no okay. Have you Let's... ever paid for a Pokemon card? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So like Fast Times at Ridgemont High fa- uh, and like Animal House, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is based on actual accounts of uh, this older person who looked young enough to be in high school. Mm-hmm. She infiltrated the high school and basically wrote a book about her experiences through the eyes of, hey, I didn't think about this when I was a, a, a high school kid. Now looking back, here's what's really going on in high right. schools in America. So go go read that. Mm-hmm. Go read that. There's some great articles that appeared about Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Turn them into a movie. So a lot of this stuff is loosely based. Gotcha. So not everything that you see actually (laughs) happens. 
Uh, but uh, I can imagine someone sneaking a horse into the president's um, uh, office late at night, maybe not <laughs> killing it by accident. Oh, anything's possible. But toga parties, beer mm-hmm. drinking, you know, yeah. you're a college kid. You know right. how it is. See if you can guess what I am now. Yes. <laughs> Oh man, I was, I love, <laughs> so it has been a while since I watched Animal House. Mm-hmm. And of course, my first exposure to Animal House was on television, heavily edited oh, television, oh. right? Yeah. So you're oh, missing my. out. I mean, you still get the zit joke was in there. Food fight is still in there. Uh, yeah. Shout is still in there. All that stuff is in there. Uh, and then I watched it, I don't know, it must've been like 10 years ago or something uh, when it came out on um, DVD and uh, got a kick out of it and really didn't think much of it. But I was watching it again the other day and I was like, there is a lot more nudity than I remember in yeah. this movie. There's I always remember the I always remember John Belushi up on the ladder looking through the um, sorority window mm-hmm. and that gag, which is great. Um, but I just don't remember when. Um, uh, what's his face is Matheson's making out in the Flander. car. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. oh uh, Otter in, in the car. Yeah, yeah. The bar. When they're yeah outside the bar, I don't remember with Fawn. Yeah, with yeah. Fawn, I don't remember breasts in that scene, mm-hmm. and yeah. I don't and when remember. Fawn jumps into the other car; she's topless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't remember um, the cutaway shot after uh, the mayor's daughter passes out in right. the fraternity room bedroom, where he's just you know, gr- you know, the devil and the angel yeah. pop up. Who don't you do, Doctor? And you know, I don't remember the cutaway of of the nudity. So I was watching it again, again, like I said, just this last week in prep for this, and I was just amazed at. How much more nudity there was than I remember. Did that bother you at all, Zach, as a no. young, uh, pure child? Oh, pure probably be a loose word. Uh, no, because when I was in junior high, we would sneak copies of all the latest American whatever movies. Well, the swimsuit and so, Sports uh, Illustrated into our rooms. American no. Pie. Yeah, American all the American Pies oh, yeah, yeah, and you all know, the spins off of those. And so we, we snuck those around when we were in junior high. You know, for a long time... In the eight, well, not in the eighties, but towards the end of the eighties and through the nineties, man, there's a huge crackdown on raunchy humor, mm-hmm. which is what I think a lot of what goes on in Animal House is about raunchy yeah. humor. And it wasn't until you hit American Pie that you see the return to that. I mean, Porky's was big in the eighties; that was a big raunch film, yeah. um, and, and so many others. But it just died out for about a decade or so, and then we get back with American Pie. So yeah, there's a lot of similarities between mm-hmm. that and and what goes on in Animal House. Um, yeah couple of things to note, Zach, as far as storytelling goes. Mm-hmm. The, uh, obviously, um, Faber University is not, or Faber College is not a real university. Right. It is supposed to be an amalgam of many universities in the Northeast United States. Um, but it was actually shot in Oregon. Oregon, yeah. Yeah, so you, you knew about that. Mm-hmm. Did you know why they got to shoot at the uh, college that they shot at? I bl- the president of the university passed on one movie. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what that was. It was but, uh, uh, the graduate, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a graduate, and then so he get, offered him this one after failing at every other university they asked. <laughs> and and apparently, the, the, every other university was it. like, "No, yeah. you cannot shoot here." Um, but uh, so most of it shot on location. Even Delta House was a residence in Eugene, oh, really? Oregon, that had just gone into disrepair. So, except for I forget, there's like just a couple of shots. Oh, the stuff in the actual bedrooms was shot on a st- soundstage. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the uh, other stuff was shot right there in that house and in Eugene, Oregon and around Oregon. So um, I think that's kind of cool to go on location uh, for these kinds of things. So, yeah. 
So uh, that's kind of a little bit of info from the story. What questions do you have about the story? Because the next thing that I want to ask you mm -hmm. deals with things that are going on at the time period and if you did any research right, on that. Right, so right. before that, do you have any do you have any um, questions about just – Yeah, just story. the story in general. Um, or do you have any comments on the story in general? It sounds like you watched it twice because you loved it so much. Well, I watched it about one and a half times because then I had to stop and watch – which well, you had to look basketball. up what some of those words meant. <laughs> um, Apparently, it rhymes with Dolores. I thought it was unbelievably funny and upset that I didn't watch this like when I was a freshman. Mm. I just, so I, that you could have uh, started your own robot right. house. Well, and... just maybe some more houses. Or <laughs> a lot of funny things. Yell at teachers in the middle of classes and... <laughs> yeah, no, I would have caught on very quickly. Well, no, I forgot what I've done in your house, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, we get all that. Sure, Zach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what was going on in 1962? There are a couple of things that tie into this story that are somewhat appropriate for what's going on. What's going on in 1962? Um, I believe the Vietnam War. Vietnam War is, um, is ramping up. Right. So in 1960, yep. I think the conflict began and we started amassing troops. 61. The number of troops in, in, in involved in, in the conflict tripled. And then by 1962, a troop uh, increase tripled again. So there are a right. lot of people being injected into this. And right. the last thing that you wanted to do was go to war. And uh, so the threat from Dean Wormer is, I'm going to notify your draft board, is you're out of school. That was the only thing that kept you from going to the war. Mm -hmm. uh, that or being married, a uh, couple of other things, but um, certainly college was a big thing where a lot of people were going to college just so that they could avoid the draft right. in many places. So I think that that's somewhat important too. What happened in 1963? Because this is the other thing that you don't really realize in this movie until much, much later that the story starts in 1962, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the movie ends in 1963. Oh, yeah. So Doctor you're seeing who? you're seeing an entire yes doctor you're <laughs> seeing an entire year's worth of events condensed into this hour and a half movie. Sixty three. What happened in sixty three, Matthew? You got a good idea of what happened in sixty three? Oh, I know exactly what happened in nineteen. What happened in sixty three? Let's fill in young young Zach here. Well, in nineteen sixty three, Doctor Who debuted. No, <laughs> but that same night in Dallas, Texas. The president of the United States was assassinated either by a lone nut or by a huge conspiracy of uh, the mafia, the CIA, and the Cubans. And if you look at the day that the uh, parade takes place, mm -hmm. uh, I believe it's what, November what, 15th? Is that what it is? Yes. Uh, so November 15th is the day that the parade takes place. And chaos breaks out at the parade right you've mm -hmm. kind of ended this pure look at america that uh part of the university is trying to encompass and then mm -hmm. the very next day the world changed right right after the death of kennedy literally in this movie chaos breaks out in this parade and the next day the world inhabited by the animal uh in animal house is changed as well because of the events of the chaos at, at uh, Faber College. Mm -hmm. So that was one of these weird things that I didn't really realize until much, 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 much later that there was that tie that they specifically wanted the movie to end with the parade on that date. Mm. Does that does that surprise you or shock you or uh, anything, Matthew? No, because the joke, well, a couple of the jokes and the joke that uh, I always heard that they wanted to have and I don't exactly know how it plays out in the film because I haven't looked at it. 
Was at one point they wanted to have a keg of beer go through the head of the float shaped like Kennedy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which, yeah that would have been pretty bad. That would have been bad. That would have, but it would have been perfectly in keeping with the nothing sacred mentality that they had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was not of an era where the Kennedy assassination had emotional resonance for me. So right. I, you know, being, I was born seven years later. So I didn't necessarily have anything where I would go, this is terribly, terribly offensive. Because comparatively to the rest of this movie, (laughs) featuring as it does, you know, bestiality and statutory rape and all sorts of inappropriate, horrifying stuff. I don't know that that's that's not where my trigger would go off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me let me correct that. November twenty first, because I'm sure that there are some people are like, no, Kennedy was assassinated not on the fifteenth, twenty first. I was going to correct you. Okay, okay. that's all right. I don't want people jumping in and saying you guys are wrong. Yeah, we make mistakes, but we We correct them. Mostly, Stephen. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Um, You talk more than the rest of us. Yes, I do, because I've got to keep us on track. So, talk about. Uh, the technical aspects of the film, then Zach, mm-hmm. the shooting, the editing, etc. The music. Oh yeah, the music was really cool, and they talked about that in some of the bonus stuff that they had. Oh, what's his name from Magnificent Seven? Score it, uh, Bernstein. Yeah, Bernstein score, and they said they wanted it to have a very classic feeling to it, and not right. having to go with the tone of the entire movie to have some element of. Uh, I guess high brownness to right. the entire and, and if you thing. think if you listen to the opening song, mm-hmm. you know, it's this very regal, majestic yeah. uh song, but then it quickly devolves into right. you know, toga party yeah. rock music from the fifties yeah. and sixties. Um what else about the music? I know it was just an it was just an interesting contrast usually with what was doing happening. Yeah, I think so. I mean, a um, couple of weeks ago on Top 5, which is another show that we do inside the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. We have listeners, more shows? We have a lot a of shows, lot and the listeners may not know about this. But um, a couple of weeks ago on Top 5, we were talking about our favorite songs of the 90s, and I made the comment that growing up, a lot of the music that I listened to fell into two categories, classical or music from the 50s and 60s. So here I am listening to the Isley Brothers. I'm listening to, you know, the Beach Boy. I'm listening to a lot of this music that is playing out uh, in this. And uh, certainly hearing Otis Day uh, take on um, the Isley Brothers shout was just this awesome moment for me uh, to be able to listen to. Uh, Sam Cooke, Richard Berry, all these guys uh, that you see in there. So I think that helps tie it in. And if you if people really wanted to go and look, there is not a single song that is out of place. If this movie takes place in 62, all of the music takes place 62 mm-hmm. or before in this film, uh, which is nice. Because sometimes, yeah. even today, you see people getting their music skewed out of the wrong decade or even missing it by a couple of months. Uh, but mm-hmm. these guys nailed it to where they were not they were not out of their element with the songs that they were listening to. Matthew, comments about the music? I liked it. I especially liked the bits where the orchestral music just, dun, 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 mm-hmm. dun. you know, there's yeah. a lot of really great stuff in terms of musical cues that I don't know if it's appearing here for the first time, but this is really the first time that I see it. And the bit where Stork takes over the marching band. Right. <laughs> and the marching band's music is the ambient music of the scene. 
And then he walks them down into the alley and the music goes back and then you cut back and you're still hearing that orchestral music. I love the fact that, you know, they, they took that music that was part of the sequence and made it part of the way the whole thing is edited together. That's fascinating. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So editing, before we get into editing, now would be a good time to thank some of the people that helped make this podcast possible. Matthew? Yes. Would you like me to do that? I would. <laughs> Who are some of those people that this week may help make this show possible? Some of those people include Matthew Salisbury, who uh, now is Senator and John. No, that's not right. Stephen Bauer, Derek Biger, Kent Daw, Daring Highness, and I love to say that name. Ahmad Abad. Okay, let me try that again. Ahmad Abad El Aziz. I can say that name. That's not even a hard one. Derek Chen, Casey Bax, Nathan Olson, David Marble, and Fabian Cunet. Who has an umlaut in his name? So, what do you what do you notice about editing? Talk to me about editing. Editing uh, is nice for a comedy because it um, it paced the film well. That the jokes had room to build and then hit hard when they needed to. Yeah, and yeah. I mean that was I mean that was a big. Point There's a movie. lot of great physical comedy that right, goes on. Really that good. You yeah. have to have some tight yeah. editing on. But yeah. what else? Um, Did you notice, especially during the shout montage? Yeah. Just look at how quickly they are editing. I mean, there's some of the stuff when you get to the word shout, oh, oh, oh shout, and, shout and, and like they're, they're cutting yeah. so quickly yeah. that you're seeing sometimes less than a second or right at a second's worth of shot there mm-hmm. before you cut back to Otis Day. Yeah. And it's just brilliant in its editing. And in fact, sometimes I think um, the editing is almost too jarring in places because you are doing shot reaction shots so quickly. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of smash cuts. Yeah. yeah. That it just hits you in the head and moves forward, but it works really well, works in, really the, well. In, in comedy. Yeah. Um, I know on the bonus material, they said that they shot this on basically one camera and mm-hmm. there was enough improv in there that the guy editing it had enough, had problems editing around it because they're improving. You only had one camera shooting. Oh, right, so, right. I mean the way that if he could still, I mean, he still pulled it off amazingly. The movie is wonderful. And the fact that you can still do that with comedy, because now if you look at comedies that like, um, oh, what's his face? Um, Judd Apatow does. Right. And you watch their setups when they do improv, mm-hmm. they're running like three, yeah, four, three cameras or four cameras all the time. Mm-hmm. So they oh. shoot that. that the the well, fact that they're able to shoot this with one camera. And well, that's why a lot improv. of time you hear it called single camera film style, because yeah. up until, I don't know, probably mid 80s. Everything is done with one camera, mm-hmm. really. I mean, you're not doing a lot of stuff where you have multiple cameras doing a take, unless it's something like Apocalypse Now, where you've got one chance to blow up the jungle, right. and you need to get it from 56 different angles. Uh, but you stop, and you retake, mm-hmm. and you reset, and you shoot, and you take, and do those kinds of things. The uh, the food fight scene, the lunchroom scene, was all done in one take, oh, really? uh, from the time that you know they're chasing him around, mm-hmm. uh, yep. and uh, him yelling food fight, and the food fight breaking out, and all that, all, all in one take for that. Yep. So that was kind of nice to see yeah. that. I can't imagine Matthew working with John Belushi at this time period. Um, at this point, and again, most of what we know about Belushi comes from several different sources. But at this point in time, according to a couple of those sources, including the very controversial and possibly made-up book Wired. Is that by his wife? No, that's the one by Bob Woodward. Oh, okay. That's This is a point where Belushi's his demons to use the wrestling term are mostly under control and Belushi when Belushi was really really on and when he would do his comedy he would commit to it so much and he was so you know focused on trying to make this 
a really successful movie that, uh, you know, in the theory is that sometimes he almost forgot to drink. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. But again, you know, when you're dealing with a, a performer like that, I, I think the general consensus that I keep reading is that John felt he did perform better when he was a little altered. And, you know, you can definitely see in the performances here where he's playing a character who a lot of it is pantomime. Mm-hmm. Bluto doesn't have a lot of lines. Bluto no. doesn't mm-hmm. appear in the road trip sequence. They use Bluto very well. They use Bluto in limited doses. They never let the character or the shtick over, you know, overstay its welcome. Yeah, and it's all for and the physical points, comedy. Yeah, and when Bluto comes in and when Bluto finally has his big dialogue moment, the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Germans? Germans. That's Forget awesome. it, he's rolling. Yeah. That moment works so well because Bluto had so often been an almost silent presence or, you know, that, that Harpo Marx kind of occasionally you'd get something out of him and then the, the psycho comedy would just blow out of everywhere. When he finally does that thing where he runs out of the room alone, <laughs> that's one of the biggest laughs in the film. Oh, it me. is. It's, it's and you know, she running out they and actually, coming back. They have his whole uh his whole speech on the animal track soundtrack oh, really? uh, our animal house soundtrack and it's great we're afraid Bluto. yeah it's <laughs> it's great uh, i man i listened to that i had it on tape cassette yeah. tape and i just i i think yeah. i ran through wore out one tape uh yeah, i had to I go to a second one blues brothers first yeah yeah yeah. So, yeah. No. um so a lot of really good acting yeah uh, a lot of good comedy all based on reality. So that's one of the things that we've talked to you about before is write what you know and mm-hmm. write what you have access to. And so if you can take some of your life experiences and adapt them into a story that's interesting, people will believe it more and have more fun with it. I, I think, um, Matthew, kind of in a, in a long overview of, of why Animal House works is that it is such a farce of college life that yeah. the people who were going to see this in 1978 – we're probably, even though we do talk about, you know, uh, the college age kid or the high school age kids or the ones with the disposable income. Right. This had to be very popular with the 25 to 35 range people um, who were probably watching Saturday Night Live, but mm-hmm. going to the theater and watching this and going, I remember this happening at my school, mm-hmm. which is why they know. didn't use a real. I mean, I could just imagine that because, again, the movie is based on a story that was written through the lens of having been there years past. You know, I remember right. this happened when I was a freshman four right. years ago. I can tell you stories, Zach, now of Matthew and I and a bunch of other people going out, <laughs> out drinking and it's hysterical and somewhat alcohol. gross and somewhat gross. Um, but through that lens of me telling you that story and you laughing, other people are going to go, I remember being that drunk. Or I remember going and stealing that piano. Or I remember <laughs> driving down the interstate on top of the on top of the car surfing. <laughs> <laughs> or Marcia hugging the bank because it was her friend and it yes. was cool and would hold her up. <laughs> yes. So, you know, there's these kinds of things that from that perspective, when this movie comes out in 78, people who went to school and graduated in 62, 63, 64 are going, I remember that. Mm-hmm. That's exactly I, how it was. Or that's exactly how I'm going to tell people it was. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what else from the, uh, from the, from the, uh, the cinematography side? 
from the technical side. Mm-hmm. Super tight editing throughout. Yeah, super tight editing. Editing is a big part of the whole thing. Um, it, it was a lot, a kind of like some of the movies we've watched, it was a lot of character stuff mm-hmm. where most of the bits were funny because not what was generally being said, but who was saying it and why they were saying it. So the character characters were really big in this to make this extremely funny because when Flounder said something, it was different. It wouldn't have been as funny if, if, uh, oh, gosh. first. Yeah, first said anything. Right. I mean, it wouldn't be. So the, the set the characters early on who they were and what their shtick was, was really important. Yep. Here. <laughs> and even, I mean, even characters who barely have any screen time are allowed to make an impression. Oh, well, even, mm-hmm. even you know, uh, Stork, who's the, the tall, geeky guy with the hair and the glasses. Everybody um, thought the Stork had brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he doesn't, he's got like one line in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. One but, line and then one one physical comedy bit yeah, at yeah, the end. Yeah, and that's it. But he's a memorable character. Right. <laughs> what are we supposed to do, you moron? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, North America... Uh, in its release, 1978, $120 million yeah, made sorry. in That's 1978. Big. It was only right behind Greece. That's, that's impressive. Wow. Greece was Greece. the number one, Greece was the number one movie in 1978. And I think Greece has a much, much broader base to build on. Oh, I think much more so. people, you know, what the people that I refer to as the normal people, <laughs> More grown-ups are probably going to want to go see Grease, the musical, than Animal House, the degrading, horrifying monkey show. Did your girlfriend watch this? That's the way my grandmother would say that. Um, Too much for her to handle? Yeah, she fell asleep. What? (laughs) What's wrong with that girl? I don't really know. Uh, The National Archives has deemed Animal House to be of significant historical and, um, what is it, societal impact or impact on society. That it has put it into the National Archives. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Oh, I'm sorry. Culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Significant is yeah. what they say. Yeah. Porkies may not ever get that. Probably not. Why do you think but, that this movie, beyond just the comedy value, what is there anything else that makes this movie stand out to be culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, Zach? This is your final question. Final question. For one million dollars. Uh, what's significant is it captures a time period, and and it captures a generation of I mean people in college and what their reaction was to not only what was happening in college but what was driving them to be in college happening in, in, outside in the world with the wars and stuff happening on because they wanted to be in college because they didn't want to go to sure they want to go to war. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty significant. The seventies had a lot of popular fiction in the late 50s, early 60s. And it wasn't about the late 50s, early 60s. I mean, Happy Days is not about the 50s. Happy Days no. is about the 70s. Right. MASH is not about the 50s. MASH is about the 70s. And Animal House is not about early 1962, except in as much as what early 1962 has to say about and compressed to the world of 1978 too. 
I mean, when you say what happened in 1962, I'm like, didn't little Opie Cunningham and the guy from Jaws uh, cruise up and down that same stretch of yep. Bull? And we'll be looking at that in a couple of weeks too. Yeah, I think what we're you know what you look at is the 70s were a time when I think the entire country was going through kind of an identity crisis. Yeah, and, and and by flashing back to the the early 60s, that that pre-Vietnam pre-Kennedy assassination that, era. That simpler time. Exactly. You're able to take that and not necessarily use that as a starting point, but use that as an explanation of this may or may not be who we are, but this is who we were, and now we're going to figure out the rest of it. Yeah, and certainly if you look at um, American Graffiti, but like I said, we'll be looking at that in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, that is this, that is the Omega house kind of mentality and, and without the mean bitterness. And I'll come back to the mean bitterness in just a moment. Um, but this wholesomeness that you see in America and unfortunately, because the Delta house next door and their antics and what happens in this film, everyone is dragged kicking and screaming into the real world with that modern era. Yeah. And that modern era, which may be 1978, but at the same time, instead of dragging them kicking and screaming in horror, they're dragging them kicking and screaming through comedy. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, Going back to the 1960s, though, when did our friends, the Legions of Superheroes, first appear, Matthew? 58. So weren't they also the same little wholesome on the outside, but bitter and mean kind of on the on the backside? That's the other thing that I kind of well, noticed. I mean, you look at the Omega House and it's and it's very two faced with a lot of people. And you look at the <laughs> you look at the the gags that the Legion of Superheroes were doing in the 50s and 60s to Superman and Jimmy Olsen and all these other people. It's like, what a bunch of mean kids. The thing about it is Delta House is the legion of substitute heroes. Not even that. Omega Theta Substitute House! Omega Theta Pi is the legion. Right. Which means that Cosmic Boy is essentially Niedermeyer. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes you wonder, (laughs) Cosmic Boy died. Now, here's something that Zach doesn't know that isn't actually in this movie, but I'm going to tell this story. Because it's my Animal House story. (laughs) <laughs> John Landis made other movies after this. Yep. Yes. John Landis was one of the directors of Twilight Zone, the movie in 1980. And his segment jumped through time. His segment, A Quality of Mercy, jumped through time. At one point, we're in the Vietnam sequence. This is, you know, five, six years later, I think. We're in the middle of this Vietnam sequence, and you hear some guy going, I knew we shouldn't have fragged Sergeant Niedermeyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you see at the end, uh, yep. at the end of uh, Animal House, where they're giving everyone's credits about what happened to them after what this day, Niedermeyer is killed by his own man, yeah, his yeah. own men in his own uh, combat. Yeah. Uh, Twilight Zone. 1983. Yeah, 83 for that. And the next movies that he would have, National Lampoon's Animal House, The Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London, coming soon. See you next Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Awesome, there, awesome, awesome. Uh, so, Zach, now final thoughts mm-hmm. on Animal House. Uh, likes, dislikes, and most importantly, what did you take away from this that you can apply mm-hmm. to your future work? I really, I really enjoyed Animal House so much that I wanted to watch it again just for pure enjoyment and to hone in on some stuff. But uh, Kansas ruling in the basketball tournament kind of took precedent that night. Anyways, this movie is funny 
on a physical level of comedy, but also has just uh, dialogue that is seemingly throwaway, but is hilarious in every syllable of it. The <laughs> just I I just want to watch this with a bunch of people and and just drink and just laugh all oh, night. Oh, really? You say <laughs> drink? You Interesting. Say. You say. Because we've got a little project going on right now. We're trying to schedule <laughs> it up. Look, 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 look. We're trying to schedule it up. Zach we haven't on come up with drugs. A, no. We haven't, no, no, no. We haven't come up with full title, but it will be a show where we do commentary mm-hmm. to movies in our own Major Spoilers commentary track. Look at that. You can find Mystery out more side. about that. Yeah. Or actually, you'll want to get on board now by signing up for a membership over at Majorspoilers.com. Mm-hmm. More information over there. Nice. What else? Sorry and to interrupt on no, that and go off that's on the important. side. That is important. Um, it is. Yes. What Dean I, Werfel's wife is hot. <laughs> really? Hmm. Yes. Eh. I don't know, man. Dean Wormer's wife has always been just... Yeah. I don't know why. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Well, what are you, what are you going to yes, apply? What are you going to uh, apply? What are you going to apply to your future work? Yeah. The... Editing is a big takeaway from Animal House. The, how to get a reaction, uh, how to properly set up a joke and through dialogue and physical comedy and then showing the payoff for everyone else reacting in movie to feed into the funniness is a big point. And I think comedy is, a, is, a, is just a big editing style in itself that mm-hmm. is its own animal and I is I think comedy editing is so probably underlooked in some yeah, place. Yeah, you know, we looked at Duck Soup, um, and that has some more longer takes. Right. But go look at, like, It Happened One Night and Bringing Up Baby and look and see how they um, they use editing in, to enhance the comedy, mm-hmm. almost like they do here a lot of yeah. times. And I think you'll they see totally some They totally edited every one of those films. Yep. Totally. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> um... No, that's it. That was a big takeaway for me. All right. Let's see, Mr. Wolf. Two C's, two D's, and an F. Oh, that's crap. a 1.2 grade point average for you. Congratulations, Mr. Wolf. <laughs> yes, thank you. You are at the top of the Major Spoilers Pledge class. Yes. Uh, Rodrigo, Rodrigo Lopez, Lopez has no grade point average. All courses incomplete. Probably why he's not here. Uh, Steven Schlager, president of Major Spoilers, 1.6 for C's and an F. Fine example of what you've set, Mr. Schleicher. And Mr. Peterson. Zero point zero. <laughs> and the, that's going to wrap <laughs> That's going to wrap it up here on this week's uh, edition of Zach on Film. Make sure to head over to Majorspoilers.com to read more articles to give your input on what your thoughts are on Animal House to tell us what you liked, disliked, and maybe what you got. If you want to own your very own copy of Animal House, make sure to head over to Majorsplorers.com, click on the Amazon link, and buy your uh, Animal House DVD or Blu-ray from there. A little bit will come back uh, to us. No more cost to you, just helps us a little bit. And if you have any questions or comments, email those to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Thanks, and we will see you next time on Zach on Film.
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.